0: here. I know I've been here. Let me into your heart. Let me know you. Let me show you. Let me roll it to you. All I have is yours. All you see is mine. And I'm glad to hold you in my arms. I'd have you anytime. Let me say it. Let me play it. Let me lay it on you. Let me know you. Let me show you. Let me grow upon you. All I have is yours. All you see is mine. And I'm glad to hold you in my arms. I'd have you anytime. Led me in here. I know I've been here. Let me into your heart. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the on Rob Kelly. And joining me this week to talk about two very obscure songs in the Bob Dylan canon, but but uh, two songs that share a very direct connection, is a fellow podcaster Ashford Wright. Hi, Ashford. Welcome to the show.
1: Hello. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Rob Kelly. <laughs>
0: You can just call me Rob. You don't have to have a okay. whole name every time. Uh, so Ashford, again, this is really cool. Thank you for, for coming on. Now, I have to say, um, before we get to your secret origin in terms of how you discovered Bob Dylan's music, uh, where the, the way this all came about was I think a couple of months ago you were on, I believe it was Siskoid's FW team-up show. And I think in that episode you mentioned a Bob Dylan song. And when I hear someone mention Bob Dylan that I don't ex- who I don't expect, I'm like a dog that sees a squirrel. You know, I'm like, what? 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 What happened there? What? Somebody just mentioned Bob Dylan. So, like, I immediately wrote you and I was like, are you a fan? Because I think most people don't bring up Bob Dylan unless they're a fan. And so you said you were. So I'm interested before we talk about these the two songs that we're going to discuss. Like, how did you become a fan of the music?
1: You know, actually, it was a Cheerscast podcast. Oh, the Cheerscast farm- one. Okay, yeah. there you go. And uh, I was making some type of weird reference to Diane Keaton's background. I think I was trying to, like, accuse her buddy of being some type of, I don't know, New England loyalist background <laughs> type thing. And I threw Bob Dylan in there. I, I, I think I said something like, the character seemed like a character in a Bob Dylan song that he would be criticizing.
0: <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but did you just ask me about my Bob Dylan background?
0: Yeah, like how did you how did you discover the music? How did you become a fan? You know what? I think
1: uh I'm 39 years old right now. We're recording on the 17th of November 2018. So, I believe my origin into Bob Dylan is the Traveling Wilburys where it's the video where they're on the train or whatever. Okay, End of the Line, yeah. I, end of the Line, yeah. So, I think that that's when I was like that's when I was Aware of Bob Dylan and George Harrison, um, who is my favorite Beatle. I know we're not me supposed
0: too. to have favorites. Oh, me too. He's mine too. But, you know, Bob Dylan, he's
1: one of those people like like uh, Stanley and Cheers where it's always been around. Mm-hmm. So even before I started listening to him, I knew like, like he was someone you were supposed to listen to. So when I was growing up, uh, the Beatles and Bob Dylan – they uh, Their music wasn't in commercials. They weren't in Sonic commercials or anything like that. So I only knew their big hits. But uh, you know, my parents, they played 70s and 80s R&B and Soul. So I, I missed all of that. The only kind of, I guess, like rock music that I knew was anything that was in a Vietnam movie or Wonder Years.
0: <laughs> okay. Right. So. 60s soundtrack, sure. Yeah,
1: so I was more into psychedelic stuff. So when I got into junior high, I was a big time, and still am, Doors fan. And I got into, I remember I listened to Bob Dylan's, um, oh, now I'm drawing a blank. It's on the, uh, is it Blood on the Tracks, the first song?
0: Uh, Tangled Up in Blue. Yeah, the first song from Blood on the Tracks, yeah.
1: Okay, so uh, right when I graduated from college, I listened to that song, and it blew me away. So hard, I I couldn't revisit Bob Dylan until like 12 years later. I was so stuck on that song. Wow. So then I started listening to Blonde on Blonde and some other things. And it's just like, it's so intimidating because sometimes I get stuck on a line or two for so long. It's like, man, I can't move on to another song until (laughs) I really get what's going on here. You know, like inside the museums, Infinity is put on trial. Mm -hmm. Like. I can't go on after that. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, wait, I got to sit here and park here. I got to figure this out. What's going on? Yeah.
1: So, yeah, my, you know, I, I, I'm i still discovering Bob Dylan. And I, I think I've read more about him in magazines because I used to be a big magazine guy. I've read more about Bob, about Bob Dylan than actually listening to his music. But I love the uh, kind of the Americana mysticism of him. And then mm-hmm. I read one of his uh like his Chronicles, oh, his Memoirs, right, right. Volume 1. Right. So like his whole mythology of being in East Village and all that, I love that kind of stuff.
0: Very cool. That's fascinating. I love that. Well, see. So you mentioned George Harrison, and of course that is the connection of these two songs. The two songs that we're going to talk about, Uh, And it's the first one I quoted at the top of the show is I'd Have You Anytime, which is a collaboration between George Harrison and Bob Dylan, the first song that they ever wrote together. And then the other song we're going to cover later on is Like a Ship, which is a song that was recorded for the Traveling Wilburys volume three record uh, and then was left off. Uh, Later was put on a box set, but it was originally left off the original record. Now, I don't know to how much influence George Harrison had over like of like a ship specifically because those songs on volume 3 seem to have a little bit more singular authors but nevertheless it was them collaborating as Woolberry, so therefore Harrison is connected to the, to like a ship and part of the reason we're doing this episode now is we are just a few days uh, shy of uh, the 17th anniversary of the passing of George Harrison, who of course, died on November 29th, 2001. And normally, uh, I'm not big on celebrating or r- remarking on people's death dates because to me that seems kind of ghoulish. Um, but I would also su- – but I would suggest that if there is any person on planet Earth that was probably the most comfortable – with the idea of moving on to the other side of, of existence. It was George Harrison. So I feel like we're okay to, to sort of remark that it was the anniversary of, of the 18th, anniversary 17th anniversary of his passing. So these two songs that we're going to talk about, they are very obscure in that this ver- the version that exists of I Have You Anytime that features both Harrison and Dylan singing together is a bootleg, and it only exists as a fragment. Really, and you can barely hear Bob in the mix because apparently it was literally Harrison trying to coax Dylan sort of out of his shell a little. Because when they recorded this, this was in 1968. Bob Dylan was in his sort of uh, self-enforced uh, retreat away from the the fame and the, the notoriety of that he had brought himself in the early 60s. So here was his friend George Harrison coming by and trying to kind of goad him back into playing music. Now, of course, the the version everybody knows of this song is track 1 side 1 of Harrison's All Things Must Pass album. And so, it's kind of funny to think that um this was that was Harrison's first solo record post Beatles, and the first song on the first side of his record is a song co-written by Bob Dylan and features Eric Clapton on guitar. I mean, wow, what a what a way to mark your your entrance as a solo act is to have these giant heavy hitters helping you out on the song. But I wanted to ask you, why did you want to talk about this song in particular?
1: Yeah. And you kind of caught me red handed. I was doing all these manipulative type tactics (laughs) to somehow get George Harrison into this discussion. (laughs) Again, I love Bob Dylan. So it wasn't like I didn't want to talk about Bob Dylan, but Hey, let's talk about uh, George Harrison's while my guitar gently weeps. He felt like during the white album, uh, the big brothers or whatever, the two big egos, John Lennon and Paul McCartney, who I love deeply, uh, they he felt like they weren't taking his session seriously. Right. So he was like, well, I'll go get Eric Clapton. And now they have to behave in front of company.
0: You know? <laughs> I never heard that angle. That's funny. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Big time. And uh, George Harrison adored Bob Dylan yes. and is known as like quoting him like scripture. Yes. So to just, to hear this song, like to hear you at the top of this show, read those lyrics... Is very chilling, and to hear this song, like the kind of ghostly, um, you know, wall of sound that uh, the producer had on this, um, it, it's always enduring to hear George Harris's music because you don't know—is he talking about a dear friend? Is he talking about a lover? Or is he talking about God? And that's why I always find his music uh, fascinating.
0: Yeah, that's that's one of the things I really like about the song is yeah if you you listen to the lyrics you're right it could be any of those things but I've always taken it as because I always was familiar with the context that this was Harrison at uh, Dylan's home in uh, Bearsville, New York, and it was them just kind of hanging out and he was he was he was trying to get Dylan to to sort of engage him with these lyrics and sort of say you know give me a give me a verse here throw in a give me a bridge give me a chorus and. I like this song because it's about, to me, it's about a friendship. And there aren't that many songs, to me, about friendship. There's a billion songs about love and relate love and romantic relationships, but there aren't that many about friendship. I mean, one of my favorite friendship songs is, ironically, a Beatles song, to me, Two of Us. I love that song because it's about friends. And there's um, there's the occasional Dylan lyric but it'll be about friendship, and I really like that. And so... Yeah, Harrison really did revere Dylan, and famously, when he went to India, the only Western music that he took with him was Blonde on Blonde. Um, I've been to the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, and there's all these quotes uh, like etched in glass, and it's about a musician from another musician. And there's a a quote from Harrison about Bob Dylan where he says, I truly believe that in a thousand years, when all of pop music has disappeared, uh, people will still be listening to Bob Dylan. And I'm like, that what a compliment for a member of the Beatles to say that about somebody else, to say, yeah, maybe they won't be listening to us, but they'll still be listening to Bob Dylan. These guys truly loved each other. And it was kind of interesting is that, of course, when they first met in the mid-60s, uh, it, was, it was Lennon and Dylan that really sort of became friends. And then that friendship, I think, fractured a little, I think probably because they were – maybe a little more similar types but Harrison was a little different and so it was later on in the 60s that, that it was George and Bob became these very very good friends and they would go on to collaborate for you know many other times after this and then of course they were they were together in the Woolbury. so it's I mean, it's very charming to hear these guys especially in this rehearsal tape just bat around these words and try and figure this out it's it's really very sweet
1: yeah, remember the uh, the benefit uh, for Bangladesh concert right. where right. George Harrison kind of coaxed uh, Bob Dylan into coming on stage, and to see them two singing into each other's eyes, it's, it's just it's amazing to see these two greats. And um, yeah, I think with John Lennon, you know, he would do those things where it's like, oh, I could do, I can write gobbledygook mm-hmm. and do things like I am the walrus, and it's like George Harrison is like. I think it goes a little deeper than that, but I like how you're saying John Lennon and Bob Dylan, they can only be in the same room for a limited amount of time because they're the same type of personality types.
0: I, yeah, I think the Dylan of the mid sixties was kind of an angry young man. And I think so was John Lennon to a certain extent. And so, uh, and then later on, they would trade barbs back and forth. I mean, Dylan uh, – John Lennon famously sang, I don't believe in Dylan. All I believe in is me. I mean, he really was very dismissive of Dylan's born-again period at that time. So yeah, there was probably a lot more tension there. But it seems like getting along with Harrison, at least for Bob, was like rolling off a log. Like these two just enjoyed each other's company. And so, like I said, it's I, – I love that there's this song – Pre Wilburies, that is a collaboration between these two Titanic figures, and I love that it is so gentle and so sweet and so simple. Relatively, you know, it's just saying, "All I have is yours. All you see you is mine." And I'm glad to hold you in arms. I'd have you anytime. Like what a what a wonderful thing to say to somebody that you can come and be with me anytime. Uh, I just love that idea. And of course, these are guys whose fame was such a Titanic levels. They probably could only hang out with other people at that level because who else would understand the pressures they were under, you know? But I just love that right. idea of hey George, just come and hang out. Like what a what a beautiful thing that had to be to, for these guys to, to 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 have that with for, with, for each other.
1: And I think about this. It, it's yeah, it's kind of like a boyhood thing where so George Harrison he's the youngest of the Beatles, and then Bob Dylan he's a solo act. You know, I remember sometimes the Beatles they would say they felt sorry for Elvis because they had each other. You know, you can right. hide behind one, or you know, we come in as a group where Elvis is just him by himself, and Bob Dylan's the same way. One more little uh, Bob Dylan joke where I think when he first heard Sergeant Pepper, he his his ref, uh, remark back to the Beatles were, "Oh, okay, I get it. You guys are done being cutes." <laughs> This is just hilarious, but you know think about George Harrison, where you know those last sessions with the Beatles those last couple of years where he felt like, okay, I'm getting a little prolific and for me to have to uh bogard and kind of argue and debate to get uh, two songs on, mm-hmm. let alone one like you know, I went to San Francisco for the you know the you know the summer of Love and all that, and I gotta come back to this freezing barn to do a reality show about a band recording an album, but it's really about how a band breaks up, man, you know, let me break free. So to run off and be able to hang out with a guy that he had fun with in America and that, you know, they're quote unquote vibing together. And, you know, they hear this song, like you're saying, like very simple, but complex at the same time with, you know, Phil Spector producing It's, uh, yeah, it's, I I love that this is the opener and like, you know, for me, like as far as the Beatles, I, I think like maybe it seems like Ringo had like the best life after Beatles and Paul McCartney had the best career and John Lennon had the best songs, but this all things must pass. I think this is the best album. Beatles,
0: interesting, interesting. Well, I said he's always been. Again, it's saying who's your favorite Beatles. They're all great, of course. But but Harrison has always been my favorite. My favorite Beatles song is a Harrison song. It's Here Comes the Sun. That's my favorite Beatles song of all time. So yeah, and and so I like you, and I mentioned on other shows I discovered Bob Dylan through the woolberries, and so and that was that was the Harrison's thing. It was the whole reason the Willberries happened was because of George Harrison. So it was like without Harrison, I don't know where I'd be. I guess I'd be doing some other. Wow! you, know, well, they, you know, doing the doors. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. doing a Billy Joel podcast or something. But this is, like I said, it's it's one of the great sort of quiet friendships of all time. And so this is a really nice little song. Again, I was only vaguely familiar with the the song fragment as it exists, and I don't think I'd ever maybe I'd heard the the, the Harrison version. But I went and listened to it after you talked about that you wanted to listen to it, and it really is very nice. And I was reading some stuff about it, and they were critics were saying it's kind of gutsy to open a double album with this kind of very quiet song usually usually you do something loud and fast but instead harrison just kind of like brings you in slowly kind of mellow and and that's that's the intro to this whole record that double record that he's doing
1: and, and, it, and remember with this since it was vinyl this was a triple record
0: was it a triple record oh, oh yeah that. oh my God. and
1: i believe wow. it won grammy album of the year wow 1970. Oof, amazing. And it, it, what's amazing about this album, too, is it's a lot of like uncredited people playing on this. I believe Phil Collins played drums on a couple of songs. Wow. I didn't know that Eric Clapton played guitar on this. So it's like especially back then with all those studio sessions, you know, like Crosby, Still and Nash, I believe uh, Rick James played bass on some of those sessions. So it's a lot of people just coming in and out of the studio. With no fanfare.
0: That's amazing. Oh my God. That's it. The, the amount of like talent pool that George Harrison had to draw. Imagine being able to just, you know, bring over Eric Clapton when you need to. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, Eric, can you play guitar on my record? Yeah, sure. All right, I'll do that. Oh, okay. How's my ex wife?
1: Yeah, yeah. whoa oh, oh boy. <laughs> it's awkward. No, uh, no, no, it's good. They were, they were good with it. No,
0: yeah. they were. They were again like what kind of amazing. Kind of, they, there's something just the
1: spirituality of George Harrison. He just transcended.
0: He just people just I want to be around that guy, you know? He's just a super cool dude. Now, uh the last data point that I have and I I read this I found this during my research uh talking about this song and it was it's a it's a thing from a book called Soundman, which was written by an engineer and producer named Glenn Johns. And according to Glenn Johns, he said around this time in 1968, Dylan expressed an interest in recording an album with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Wow. Harrison and Keith Richards were enamored with it, but McCartney and Jagger said absolutely not. (laughs) Mm. Ah, That would have been magic. I can't. I don't even. I don't. I mean, that might be that might have been a glorious clusterfuck. I don't know because it just might be too many too many cooks, but nevertheless, oh, yeah. who how could you not want to hear that? A, a, a record of the Beatles, the Stones and Bob Dylan all together. That would that's wow. the mind reels at that at that very Talk
1: amazing. about 1970s supergroups. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that means, but we know what it means, but wow.
0: Oh, it would have been absolutely amazing. So yeah, so it's I'd have you anytime. I said it, it there is no Dylan version of the song. There's just the fragment where he's singing along with George, but there of course there is the, the Harrison version. So it's, it's a really, really, really sweet song. I like it. And so again, Ashford, I have to thank you for, for wanting to talk about this one. Cause this was, this would definitely not be something I would normally want to uh, think to cover on the show, but I'm glad I got to dug into this little obscure corner of, uh, of Dylan Alia here.
1: Yeah. I so, love
0: it. Yeah. So the other song we're here to talk about, as I mentioned is like a ship, uh, which is an outtake from the traveling will Volume 3. And the words of like a ship are very, very simple. Uh, They go like a ship on the sea, her love rolls over me. Like a ship on the sea, her love rolls over me. Go away, go away, let me be free. Like a weeping willow tree, her love hangs over me. Like a weeping willow tree, her love hangs over me. Go away, go away, let me be. Standing on the white cliffs of Dover, looking out into space, have another channel to cross over, another dream to chase. The night is dark and dreary. The wind is howling down. Your heart is hanging heavy when your sweet love ain't around. Like a leaf on a tree, her love is shaking me. Like a leaf on a tree, her love is shaking me. Go away, let me be. Haunting me like a ship on the sea. Like a leaf, like a ship on the sea. Haunting me like a ship on the sea. So, Ashford, what did you think of this song? Well, one,
1: I had never heard it until you suggested it, and... It sounded just like it sounded like a George Harrison solo song mm-hmm. to me, right? Even from like the session of All Things Must Pass and the uh second album with uh Give Me Love on it, um uh, uh Material World. Mm. So yeah, I really enjoyed it and I like the parts where uh you know it's like a more produced version where they got right. the background vocals, which I love. I love like I love bands that do background vocals and hand claps. That always win me over. <laughs> And when it's like other bandmates, it's not just the uh, lead singer doing overdubs, but the actual bandmates are doing the background vocals. I love that. Um, And also just the parallels of, I guess, of like, I guess like a traveling Wilbury. You know, what's the definition of that? But I guess that's what they were. They were like these journeymen. And that's what we saw in the video with them on the train. And Mm -hmm. we're going town to town and we're living out Americana and. We're not going to just get on the superhighway and pass up Route 66. We're going to actually take Route 66 and go town to town. And I guess the – I guess romanticizing being on a – being at sea and being free and lawlessness, you know, as uncharted waters, I guess I never thought about that. you know, uh, I think I pretty much play the game as far as the game of life. You know, I I go to work, I pay taxes, rents and repeat. (laughs) So I guess like Bob Dylan, he just, you know, the whole thing of I'm not going to tour anymore. I'll just make studio albums and that's it. Like, wow, that's a radical change. Like there are a lot of musicians now where any attention that they can get, they would grasp at it for him to have the power to go. Like I'm going to make fun of my own fame and my own, like the critics are saying these great things. And then I'm just going to downplay that and saying that I'm a charlatan, you know, when he's, Doing those cue cards or whatever. Mm-hmm. What's that one that with Bob Sub- Dylan? Where Subterranean
0: Homesick Blues.
1: Okay, you know what? That's actually, I think, the first thing I've ever saw of Bob Dylan. I don't know why. I think uh, I always saw that as a kid.
0: Well, you know? it was a, so, it was a, it was like an early music video, and uh, MTV would actually play it occasionally. So it might have been something you've seen. From. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it. What did you think
1: about uh, this one? Like
0: I like uh, oh, I like this song a lot. I mean, the you mentioned that there's two very distinct versions. There's the the Dylan version, which is just sort of mm, it's I won't call it a demo, but it's it's pretty rough. And you could it's clearly Bob just sort of working through the song, and it's just him. And then there's a later version that was because the way the the Wilburys, uh, third not the third record, It's actually the second record, even though it's called Volume Three was produced was basically they recorded all these songs and then Harrison and Lynn took the recordings with them back to England and they sort of turned it quote unquote into a Wilbury's record and it was a much it's a much more produced record than the than the first one. Um Dylan in nineteen ninety was was charging pretty far ahead and so a lot of the a lot of the original songs for Wilbury's volume three are Heavily Bob Dylan songs. I mean, she's my baby. Originally was all Bob Dylan singing. Uh, Where were you last night? Originally was all Bob Dylan singing, and uh, they realized. I think, I guess, they decided there's a little too much, a little too much left Lucky Woolberry on this one, mm. and so, uh, although I think he changed his name to Spike for the for the third record. And so they ended up overdubbing a lot of Dylan stuff with their own voices, and that's how you get this other version of Like a Ship where they insert a guitar solo and they bring themselves in on the chorus and stuff like that. So it does exist as two very different versions. Being the Dylan fan that I am, I prefer the earlier version because it's just Bob, but at the same time, I can also understand that it's a little too rough. It's not a finished song by any stretch of the imagination. So I could see why Harrison and Lynn felt the need to kind of dress it up a little. But at the same time, I'm I'm like, eh, I think they dressed it up a little too much. But I like this song because there is something about Dylan's voice, the grit in his voice. And, you know, there's the endless debate. Is he a good singer? And I constantly allege that he is because he makes you – to me, his voice makes you feel something. And that, to me, is good singing. But there's something about the way he's able to use in this song the most simple lyrics and the most s- – like, lyrical cliches. I mean, he literally mentions the White Cliffs of Dover in this song, which is a Glenn Miller song. There'll be Bluebirds Over the White Cliffs of Dover. That's from the, that's from the 40s. That's from World uh, War II. Uh. And yet it, sound, it, it sounds, like, eternal. It sounds like if you had maybe said this song was a traditional folk song you would believe it you would say Oh, okay yes. this is this is the Wilburys covering a traditional folk song this is not an original Wilburys or Bob Dylan song and yet it is and that's there's something about the way he's able to do that to make it sound out of time that I really like and so I'm by the fact that the Wilburys record volume three is only like 35 minutes long the fact that they cut two songs off that record there's there's a there's a, a Harrison original called Maxine which was also cut off out removed I'm like why this, this guy this 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 record was already pretty short. You could have put Like a Ship and Maxine back on the record. So I don't understand why it was removed. But I actually – I like the song quite a bit.
1: You know what's interesting about Bob Dylan? He does this a lot, and it's interesting listening to him, You know, I guess, in the 21st century where even in his earlier days, he would do things that were for the time throwbacks, right? Like uh, I guess like even in the 60s, he would do a song where – You would have heard that in the early 50s. So he was even being like, you know, retro, you know, like I like a band called The Strokes and they like doing that kind of stuff where they sound like they're in the 2000s, but they sound like they're from the 70s. Right, right. But it sounds like updated techniques that you hear today is that retro future that, uh, you know, we hear a lot. So, uh, yeah, I really like this. I do think that it should have been stripped down and more acoustic. Mm hmm. But And that the, I guess the the guitar solo was a little abrupt, but both versions just seem very unfinished and unpolished, which on the acoustic version is cool. Right, right. It's raw. And then like, as far as, you know, Bob Dylan singing, I'm glad you brought that up because I can't remember if it was Sam Cooke, but I, it was when uh, Like a Rolling Stone, when it came out and it was a hit, uh, someone said like, hey, I don't, I don't get it. You know, what is this? And it was it was someone that was a soul singer. So, like, someone where, you know, they got, like, those vocal chops. And they were saying, this guy's changing the game because now you have to mean it. Mm. So, like, Paul McCartney, I love him a lot. But, like, especially in those early days, he just has the natural ability. But do you believe him? Mm. And then when you get to Rubber Soul and Jane Asher, whomever, where he really had a love romance go south, you get good songs out of him. Yeah. <laughs> You know, George Harrison and Bob Dylan, since they're not conventional voices, you know, like conventional like singers as far as uh, I don't know, like having the chops or whatever, they have to yearn and mean it. So when George Harrison, when he's calling out to God and all that stuff, since he has like I don't know if you would call it a thin voice when he's doing that yearning, it's just it just seems more sincere. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Bob Dylan, where <laughs> I don't know how to describe this guy. I don't know. And, you know, and he plays that up like, hey, am I scamming you? Is this good? Who knows? Like, am I a con man? By the time you figure it out, I'll be in the next town. I'm a traveling traveler. <laughs> so like just the mythology of Bob Dylan, it's just this guy here. He's a magician.
0: That's funny you say that because it was, ironically enough, a quote from George Harrison where George Harrison said, I don't know why everybody takes Bob so seriously. He's such a joker a lot of the time. And that was really like. Wow, really? Okay. You know, like I take Dylan, I take Dylan very seriously, but here's George Harrison saying, nah, he's kidding around a lot of the time. And I sort of find that interesting. And that Harrison had an insight to Bob's personality that, of course, the rest of us don't really have because we get to hang around with him and stuff. But, yeah, I think this is a, a – I, I really like the song, and it does. Again, it, I think if a lot of other musicians tried to sing Like a Leaf on a Tree – Her love is shaking me. You would just go, come on. This is, this is, these are dummy lyrics. But when Bob's, that, that ragged voice sings it, I'm just imagining it sounds like, and do, I will say one complimentary thing about the, the, the quote unquote produced version is when they're all singing along, they sound like a bunch of pirates. You know, like I'm picturing a bunch of guys on a pirate ship singing, the night is dark and dreary, the wind is howling down, your heart is hanging heavy when you're a sweet love ain't around. They all got like booze and they got eye patches. I mean, it's totally what I picture.
1: And I think that's what they were going for, that camaraderie. I think that's why they went back and, you know, hey, this sounds like a band now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, they had a lot of fun, you know, putting those records together and those the, the pictures of them, there's only a few, but the pictures of them, like, sitting together, recording, it just looks like so much fun to, to be able to sit around these four. I mean, imagine there's little bits and pieces of video of them as the Woolberries working together. Imagine what that would be like to watch these guys sit there and bang these things out together. Like, what an extraordinary, uh, you know, like, what an extraordinary experience that would have had to be to to watch that, you know, to just see these these geniuses, these legendary figures, and but just be regular guys. You know, and then just sit there and banging words around back and forth and stuff. I, I love all that stuff, and so yeah, I think that it's a great song. So "Like a Ship" is now available on the Wilburys box set. There is that box set that came out about, I don't know, about ten years ago at this point that collected everything, and this this song is on it. So you can get the. Uh, I don't. I don't know if the original demo version is on, but the the finished version is. So it does exist out there. And of course, neither one of these songs uh, for Bob were ever played in concert. He never did either. He. I think he's only. Done one Wilbury song ever in concert. He Only did it one wow. time. Yeah, he only did. He only did it one time. So he, the Wilbury stuff is stuff he leaves behind. I don't. I don't know, but I assume that George Harrison must have played "I Have You" anytime in concert, at least a couple of times, because it was a fairly famous song. But uh, in terms of Bob' performance, no, these are these are exist only in the confines of a recording studio.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I can't wait to get back into. My Bob Dylan mode and start exploring a little bit more. Do you have any recommendations?
0: Well, um, like what's of the stuff you've heard? Do you have a particular favorite kind of record or favorite era? I mean, there's lots of eras to pick from. There's, I know, yeah, electric Bob, <laughs> and there's acoustic uh, folk singing Bob, and there's religious Bob, and there's '80s techno Bob. I wouldn't suggest starting with that, but uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, there's. Uh, do you have any of the Records from the last decade, like all the the ones he did between 2001 and 2012, the Jack Frost produced ones.
1: I do have. Oh man, I can't remember the name of the album. I know he has the song "If You Ever Go to Houston." And
0: that's okay. Together through life, yes.
1: Yes, uh, hell is my wife's hometown, whatever.
0: I would suggest from that era. I would say I would say pick up Modern Times from two thousand six. I'd say Modern Times. I think that's one of my favorites of his in the last twenty five years. I think Modern Times is a absolutely terrific record. I think that's. I think I have that. Okay, well, that's a really good one. Is
1: that the one where when he, he was promoting it on the Grammy Awards, he was interrupted by that? Food bomb guy. No, or was that, that early 2000s.
0: That was time out of mind where he was singing yes. love from 1997, where he was singing "Love Sick" and that jackass came out and danced around and stuff like.
1: that. Yeah, that, that so. was weird. I think there's Bob something played it cool.
0: There, yeah, he did. There's something very, uh, very funny about that. In that Bob Dylan. Now we're off the subject, but now it's on my mind. You said you brought it up. So in that it's 1998 and Bob sings "Love Sick." Uh, on the Grammys and that, that jerk comes out and dances around. So then when Bob reappeared on the Grammys two years later, three years later to promote love or not promote, but to, to sing a song from Love and Theft, he sings Cry a While and the set is literally a box. It was a literal <laughs> box that him and the band were in, so I think that was almost like his comment of like nobody's jumping on stage this time because we're singing in a giant. It looks like Bob Dylan and the band in like a diorama or something. It's really that's really, hilarious. Like, okay, keeping these these assholes away from from interrupting my performance. So, um, you know what
1: I was I was able to see John Cougar Mellencamp. Sorry, John Mellencamp. John Mellencamp, sure. Um, I was able to see uh, Bob Dylan.
0: Oh, the Willie and, Nelson thing? And Willie Nelson in um, in Houston. That's awesome. Uh, I didn't about get, a decade I, ago. Yeah, I didn't get to see that tour. That sounded really fun, those three guys oh, together. Yeah, yeah and um, I, I, I'm going to have
1: to ask for your help after the show. I'm trying to find the set list for that because there, were, there was a song that they played that I was familiar with. It, it was blowing my mind. I, I I don't even know how to describe it. It sounded like a countdown or something.
0: That will be easy to find because the set lists are available online. So that'll be super. As long as you have an approximate date as to what show you saw, we can find the set list. No problem. So we. All can, right. Yeah. Hey. Yeah.
1: All kind of things are going on, but yeah, I was able to see that. You know, legends, legends.
0: That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that sounded like a great tour. Um, so anyway, I think that's going to do it for these two songs. These two songs have a great connection to George Harrison and Bob Dylan. Uh, they're both really terrific songs. We're going to play samples from each at the end of the show. So Ashford, thank you so much for coming on, man. I, I really appreciate it. Um, I, I said I was so happy that you wanted to do the show after I wrote you, uh, after hearing you mention now again, really was on Cheerscast. And uh, so where can people find you on the Internet?
1: You know what, the easiest way to do that is you can go to com. That is W-R-I-G-H-T on com. And we have a number of podcasts there. It's like a hodgepodge. We have a uh, a birds of prey podcast. For those nineties heads out there, we have a Seinfeld one. Uh if you're into Cassandra Kane Girl which I am, we have one for that. As well as a Doctor Who podcast called Straight Out of Gallifrey. And it's a Doctor Who podcast where we talk about those Doctor Who episodes that feature other Time Lords and Time Ladies. Very. Cool. Thank you for letting me do that plug.
0: Oh, no problem. And, of course, he said if you look at the cover of Blonde on Blonde with Bob with his giant wild hair and his scarf, he looks like a Doctor Who at that point. Oh. So.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. He, if they ever did the American version, he'd be perfect.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's alternate universe Doctor Who. was Bob Dylan playing, playing Doctor Who. So, well, again, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it, and I enjoyed talking to you. This was great
1: oh yeah I had a great time thank you for having me
0: awesome well of course everybody you want to listen to back episodes of the show go to the website com. you can also find the Pod Dylan uh, you can subscribe to Pod Dylan on iTunes and on Stitcher and any other podcast platforms and we're always talking about Dylan over on Twitter which is at pod underscore Dylan so thanks everybody for listening and until the next episode uh, take it easy bye Love
1: rose over me like a ship on the sea. My love rose over me. Go away. Channel to cross over another